Hey everyone, and welcome to Bury the Hatchet. I'm your host, Brian Enstein. You know, tackling touchy subjects in the right way is a special skill, and frankly, not everybody has it. But the inability to understand people we disagree with is tearing apart our communities, our friendships, and our families. But we can do better. We must do better. If you're ready to talk about hard things without the hard feelings, join me as we rediscover the lost arts of listening and reconciliation. Join me as we learn to bury the hatchet. What's up, guys? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode two of Bury the Hatchet. Thank you for being here. Excited to have you back. You know, after after our first episode, a lot of people were asking me, you know, Brian, what's your show really about? And I, I guess the, the simplest way I can understand it or I can explain it is that it's about understanding people. It's not so much about debating issues. It's about really you know, diving into to the minds of other people and understanding why they stand where they do, why they believe what they do, why they act the way they do. And it, if you don't understand why this is such an important thing, I, I really wanted to share with you um, uh, a poem that had a, has had a really profound impact on me. Um, it's a poem by a guy by the name of John Godfrey Sachs, uh, and it's based on an old, um, an old story that comes out of India. And the poem goes like this. It was six men of Indostan, to learning much inclined, who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy his mind. The first approached the elephant, and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side, at once began to bawl, God bless me, but the elephant is very like a wall. The second, feeling of the tusk, cried, Oh, what have we here? So very round and smooth and sharp, to me tis mighty clear, this wonder of an elephant is very like a spear. The third approached the animal, and happening to take the squirming trunk within his hands, thus boldly up and spake, I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a snake. The fourth reached out his eager hand and felt about the knee. What most this wondrous beast is like is mighty plain, quoth he. Tis clear enough the elephant is very like a tree. The fifth, who chanced to touch the ear, said, E'en the blindest man can tell what this resembles most. Deny the fact who can. This marvel of an elephant is very like a fan. The sixth no sooner had begun about the beast to grope than seizing on the swinging tail that fell within his scope. I see, quoth he, the elephant is very like a rope. You ready? This is the point, you guys. And so these men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. How about that? Don't we see ourselves in that last stanza? The six men of Indostan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. How powerful is that? You know, it, and the, I think the reason this story has stuck around and been repeated in so many languages and so many cultures for centuries is because we see ourselves in these six blind men, you know, and if, if they would just stop and listen to each other, think of what they could gain. All of them would have a much better understanding of what the elephant is really like. And most things in life are just like this elephant. Most things in life are more than any one of us can fully understand from our own reasoning or from our personal experience alone. And here is the problem. The problem arises when we say to ourselves that all I know on this subject is all there is to know and all that's worth knowing. And anyone who disagrees with me is ignorant, misinformed, or dishonest. When perhaps instead we should consider the possibility that we've only touched a part of the elephant, as it were. And with all of these controversial or hot-button issues that so easily turn us into adversaries, maybe we should admit that we can never really see the whole elephant 
unless we're willing to see it through the eyes of someone else. Speaking of elephants, I always say, if there's an elephant in the room, let's tackle it. So our last episode focused on the number one taboo subject of religion. So today we're going to open up the other big can of worms, politics. Yep, we're doing it. First up, we have a dual interview with two officers of the Iowa State University College Republicans. Now, for all you Democrats out there, don't worry, you guys are on deck. An important parenthetical note before we jump into the interviews is these interviews were conducted uh, several months before the current craziness with COVID-19 took over the world. So a lot of the details about the clubs and their meetings may not still be relevant. So if you are an Iowa State student or a member of the Ames community listening here and you're interested in either of these clubs, you can find the relevant information on the student organization website. Okay, we have Ryan Hurley, the president of the ISU chapter of the College Republicans, and Kimberly Zavosky, the secretary of said club. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you so, for having us. Yeah, it's our pleasure. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's just start with your your personal story. That's usually how we start. So, Ryan, let's start with you. Um, just, I guess, tell me a little bit about where you're from, what you're doing here at Iowa State, uh, what you're studying, and kind of how you got. I, how did you wind up as the president of the College Republicans? Well, you know, I'm originally from Boston, actually, but after living in a city that was a little bit not that well ran, uh, no offense, but very Democrat, I wanted to have a quieter college, and so I settled on Iowa State University, came here, switched my major to business, and I've always been interested in Republican things, so I joined College Republicans. It was the first club I looked at, and that's how I got here. Well, Ames, Iowa is certainly a far cry from Boston. Oh, yeah. So, Kimberly, where, where are you from? How did you, yeah, how did you get here? Yeah, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I was initially hesitant in joining College Republicans. I was a little bit worried that it might be a little too big. You know, I, I don't know, but it's funny how I became secretary eventually. Um, yeah, I became a Republican around 2016 when I started critically thinking about things related to politics. I compared a lot of um, conservative and liberal news sources, and I felt as though the uh, liberal news sources left out a bit of the story, a little bit of the context that the conservative news stories did. So I found myself being drawn into conservatism, whereas before I hadn't really known all that much about politics. And the more and more I learned about it, the more I became interested and fascinated with it. Let's uh, just r real quick, right at the beginning, let's get your, your definitions of what, what does it mean to be a Republican? Obviously it's to be, you know, a member of the, of the Republican party, but I mean, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, you talked, uh, Kimberly, you mentioned conservatism, which, mm -hmm. you know, obviously anyone familiar with politics knows that that, at least in theory, is part of the, the bedrock of the Republican Party. So again, tell me a little bit, what is, what is your definition of what's the Republican Party all about? What does it mean to you to be a Republican, Kimberly? To me, it's about conserving American values. That's what the conserve and conservatism means. Um, conserving and protecting the uh, Bill of Rights, the Constitution in general, um, even just, you know, the basic American culture, patriotism. That's what it is to me. I think that was a pretty good answer. Uh, kind of took a lot of the stuff that I was going to say, but <laughs> I essentially believe that it's believing in American exceptionalism, believing that you can become greater than what you started out as, and a lot of different things. You know, lower taxes, I guess, is a big thing that they're talking about, uh, the right to life, things like that. That's what I'd have to But Americanism is the most important tenet. Have you both sort of always been interested in politics? Like, are these ideas that you kind of grew up with? Are they things that you sort of discovered later on in life? Tell me a little bit about how you came to sort of adopt these ideas as, as your own. Well, funny story. I think we're both former Bernie Sanders supporters. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Do, do tell. Go on. Yeah. Um, so I, I had – it's funny because at first I liked Donald Trump. Um, for his immigration policies. And then I worried, I, I heard some stories about him being a little racist and I was concerned about that. So I was like, 
let's let's check out Bernie Sanders a little bit. He seems to be at least very honest. Um, and I'd heard good things about him from my friends at school, you know, back in high school. Um, and so I, I thought that maybe he'd be a good candidate. But then I learned even more about um, socialism and um, in depth of the policies that he supported. Like he claims not to support open borders, but the fact that he wants um, he doesn't want a border wall. He wants unregulated immigration, in my opinion. <laughs> It was not something that I found I could get behind anymore. Yeah. Well, it was funny. My my family's all very conservative. And when I first got into politics, I was on the Bernie train. I was reading the uh, Sanders for president on Reddit every day. You were feeling the burn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <What is it? laughs> and as I started to look deeper into the policies, I debated critically with people. And I found that Bernie Sanders seemed to like flip flop on a lot of things. And like the biggest thing Kimberly mentioned at the immigration policy in 2015, he was calling to limit all immigration, not just illegal immigration. And, you know, I, I felt that Trump was actually focusing on what would help American workers, because I don't think that Bernie actually is helping American workers, really. So that's why I turned to the right. You both, uh, you both said that. Uh, I guess your your support for the Republican Party kind of stems from your embrace of con conservative values, right? Wanting to mm -hmm. preserve certain aspects of American life, American politics, and government. What what specifically are some of those things that you want to conserve, and why are those? valuable to you like i know kimberly you, you mentioned the bill of rights like what is it yeah. about that that's valuable to you or or, mm -hmm. or anything else like you you understand what, what yeah, i'm asking like yeah. tell, tell me what those things are <laughs> and why why you think it's worth preserving well a common argument i tend to hear on the left is that um the founding fathers gave the second amendment for a time when uh there were just you know muskets and there weren't any dangerous weapons and now it should just be used for people's right to be able to go out and hunt or something like that i don't think that's true at all i think the founding fathers meant the second amendment so that the citizens could defend themselves from a tyrannical government i think that that's very important um i really think the whole bill of rights in general is under attack with these uh campus climate um response teams and stuff controlling free speech. I think that, you know, people don't understand that free speech, there, there's no time and place for free speech. Free speech is about hearing the ideas that you don't agree with and learning to debate them, grow from them, or maybe even agree with them if you didn't before. So you would, you, I guess in, in the context of this Bill of Rights, you would be concerned about anything that would maybe sort of start to scale back any of those protections in the Bill of Rights, yeah, essentially because you're concerned where that might lead. Yeah, that's very concerning to me. Um, you know, I think the Democratic Party tends to get more and more radical as time goes on from what I've seen. Um, and I have certain friends that even believe that guns shouldn't be legal at all, not even for hunting at all. Um, that's very concerning to me. I think that that's this this is America. We have the Bill of Rights. We have the Constitution to protect us. If you know, if you don't like the Constitution, maybe you should go to Europe or something. <laughs> mm -hmm. What What about you, Ryan? What I guess what are what are specifically the conservative principles that you you think you want? What that, that that's worth conserving, worth preserving, and, and why are those important to you? The absolute biggest thing is family values. And I feel that Democrats are very much cutting into these and saying, no, these are remnants of an old system. Well, the old system worked pretty well and families were great. My uh, my grandparents had five kids, raised them. I want my kids to be able to have five kids and really have a good family. I think that family is so important. To I can go off your point real quick. Yeah. I think that you're right, unfortunately, with higher taxes nowadays and all these things that kind of prevent you from having a larger family, it's harder to live that that fam that idealized family life mm -hmm. that certain people have if they want to have larger families. Exactly. Are you concerned mostly, um, and again, I'm just, I'm just trying to make sure I'm understanding it exactly yeah. where you're coming from, Ryan. Are you, are you concerned that 
there are people, maybe even a lot of people in the country who are choosing not to espouse those same values? Or is there something specifically about the political system that you feel is threatening to that? Well, I am nervous about the amount of immigration ever since 1965. There's just been wave after wave. Meanwhile, before that, it was spikes when we needed immigrants and then drops where there was no immigration, essentially. And those people very much assimilated into this much more pleasant America where they understood the Bill of Rights, things to that effect. And I think that now you're not assimilating into the old school America. You're assimilating into 2020s America where it's okay to hate your country uh, hate the people, but still take all the money from them. And I don't think that that's good. I think we want to bring people who are good family people who can support family values. Sorry, did, were you, were you going to say something, Kimberly? I, I think I was. Yeah. Um, I think that on Ryan's point, it's not just immigrants necessarily that we're importing that don't appreciate the American way of life. It's really Americans unfortunately. And I think that immigrants are assimilating, but they're assimilating into a culture that does no longer respect the America that once was. Could you, either of you or both of you, elaborate a little more on what what we mean by family values? Because it's kind of a moniker that gets thrown around a lot, but maybe it's not exactly clearly defined. What what are these values that that we're talking about and why do we feel like they might be threatened? I'm actually going to hand this one to Ryan. I think he's very passionate about it. Well, you know, just being able to raise your kids, teach them lessons, go out with them, do things to that effect, and almost just have a family. You know, like, I'm blessed with my family. We have outings about every week, things to that effect. I want everyone to be able to have a happy family because that's so important just structurally. Having a strong family makes a strong nation. That's the exact thing to me. Okay. So what, I guess... Kind of backing up a little bit, how how does that sort of translate into your political leanings? Because I, I just just to make my question clear, because I, I I know we we've talked to people here on the show who feel the same way. They like strong families, but they take a completely opposite spin on their political positions from you. So I get oh, yeah. I get what I what I'm trying to understand, you know, because we have we have so many people who like strong families and then still. Mm-hmm. take such mm-hmm. such different stances on things so yeah. so for you what is it about your your desire for strong happy families that form strong nations that causes you to to lean towards the republican party what are what are their what what is it about their politics yeah. that you think helps to preserve these families well increasingly we can see that immigrants come in and there's a lot of people who sadly have lost children etc. to illegal immigrants who just keep coming over the border. And I'm against that so entirely. But the reason why I'm right wing is because I think that the solution is traditional. What is it? We have to look back what was going right in, say, 50s, 40s, whatever time, and take that. I think the Democrats do not want to do that. They want to adopt like weird child drag shows, things to that effect. That's not family values, in my opinion. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's, I mean, let's just tackle the elephant in the room here. Um, Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what I think about him because it's not relevant to the show, but obviously you have heard everything under the sun probably oh. about, you know, why he's, Jesus incarnate and why he's the devil incarnate. I'm sure you've heard it all. What do you think about the guy and why? And are there, let's, let's just start with that. What do you think about the president and why? Well, I generally approve of him, but I kind of think it's funny how some people seem to think he's uh, the next coming of Jesus or something. (laughs) Yeah. I think there are a lot of people who, who see him like that. I, I don't quite see that. Um, but I do approve of the fact that he's really regenerated the economy. You know, unemployment's really gone down. Um, black and Hispanic employment is at an all-time record low. You know, I think that's really great. 
I think that's great for our country. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he could probably go a little bit further with uh, finally getting the wall built, stuff like that. But that's my general mm-hmm. opinion of him, that I think he's doing a pretty good job. Could do a bit better. So you would approve generally of, I guess, sort of the official actions that he has taken as, yeah. as president. Okay. Yeah. Ryan, what, what do you think? I feel like he really brought the conservative movement back to life because it's clear that like the old school Mitt Romney style Republicans, they weren't really working as much for the common people. They were, in my opinion, working more for the donor class Republicans. What is it like? And repeatedly we can see that populism like this is winning over and over in Europe, in America. And I think that Trump ushered in the a sort of new right wing that's really rejuvenizing it and making it great again. I'd agree. Yeah. Let me ask you guys real quick, because um, I know you, you've said a lot about, you know, uh, there, there, are, there are things that are great about the country that you want to preserve. You don't want to see them lost. You don't want to see them forgotten um, or destroyed or corrupted. I, I guess just tying this in with with politics, um, you've both expressed a love of, of family values. Is there anything about that in connection with the current president that bothers you? terms of his personal behavior. I know you may approve of the job that he's doing. Are there things about his personal behavior that bother you? And how does that influence your political decisions? Yeah, um, that's a really good question, actually. <laughs> um, so there are a few things that bother me here and there. Um, I think that he does have a very nice, big, beautiful family. But um, I know that his first wife, he ended up cheating on her with with his second wife, believe it or not. Uh, Marla Maples was his mistress before she was his wife. Um, that is a little bit bothersome. I think it should be to a lot of people. I also believe that the 2016 tapes, the uh, grab him by the, uh, <laughs> that wasn't too, too great. But um, at the end of the day, I think that policy matters over um, certain aspects of character. And um, I think that while that was really quite despicable, it doesn't represent necessarily his character as a whole. And I think that the policies matter a lot. Ryan, what what do you think? Well, you know, I think that he does some things personally that I think I disagree with, but you know, the divorce thing, I understand it. My parents were, and you know, that doesn't make them bad people. Mm -hmm. And really as He's bringing back jobs into the country, bringing it to American workers. That's more important to me than him saying something dirty. That's what matters. Decades yeah. ago, yeah. It's a, it's a, it sounds like neither of you would really try to defend in principle some, I mean, any of the reprehensible things that people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to you, it is more important that he does the job well than that he'd be a certain kind of person. Is that, is that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, people are human. They make a lot of mistakes, you know. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. an easy way to put it. They say a lot of awful things, you know. You, me, you, all of us have probably done something really awful at one point in our lives. And to have that dug up and, you know, used as something against us in a job performance, in a job, and uh, in, in, uh being qualified for a job or not is kind of, um, you know, we all have our weak moments. I don't think we should necessarily be judged completely on one of the one or two of those moments for the rest of our lives. Well, but one of the things that I know I encounter in, in my conversations with people and we're kind of getting towards the end here. So I want to give you guys some time to just kind of speak freely um, is, you know, be, uh, politics, like so many other things, can be such a heated conversation, and perhaps rightly so, because these, these are important things that that need to be discussed. But I, I, I know that it's so it's so easy to be so disgusted by a particular person, say President Trump, for example, that anybody who in any way supports anything that he does 
is sort of smeared with that same brush. And this ha- this happens both ways. I know this has happened in conversations that I've had with more left-leaning people. Um, so I, I want to give you guys the last couple of minutes real quick. Just give us, uh, for the sake of our listeners, a little bit of information about the club, where you guys meet, what you do, um, for anyone who might be interested. Um, and then I want to give you a few minutes just to kind of – things that you wish that people who were not Republicans better understood about you guys. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your club and then uh, tell us what you wish the world better understood. We're the college Republicans at Iowa state. We meet every Wednesday in Carver 202 right now at 7, 10 PM. Anyone's welcome. Um, What are some things we do in the club though too, Ryan? talk about that we focus a lot on activism we do mm-hmm. some work with the trump campaign the joni campaign different political groups i believe next week no this week we're going to be lobbying soon mm-hmm. for gun rights we take a very active stand on campus yeah. mm-hmm. we sometimes have fun little cahoots to start off the meeting too just little quizzes on current events or things mm-hmm. are going on around campus <laughs> You know, I, I recently had a conversation with uh, the president of the College Democrats here, and she mentioned some kind of spectrum discussion or something that you guys were having. Is that am I? So it was going to be some kind of a panel with you guys and like the College Democrats, and then I think it was the Marxist Society and Young Americans for Freedom or something like that. Am I yeah. am I remembering this correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Where, so when when is that happening, or does this happen regularly? That is later on in March. Later, okay, so, mm-hmm. so still in the works. Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. And, you know, we're really excited because we think if people were to see Republicans and not see, like, these evil caricatures <laughs> made of us, that people would actually somewhat interested. I think that, what is it, they would be kind of fascinated that we're not like screaming and yelling, you know. I think people have two caricatures of Republicans in their head, either the very greedy Wall Street capitalist or the very racist redneck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think either yeah. of us or any of the people on our club really fit those caricatures no. at all. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't seen either of those here. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> and as for the what I wish people would know about the party, is that it's just so big. It's a big tent party. It's mm-hmm. it's not just one set of values. Like, what is it? We actually are different sets of conservative values, but we both belong on the right, basically. Yeah, we're a, we're a big, happy family in college yeah. Republicans <laughs> yeah. with many different ideas. It's really mm-hmm. fun to have debates with different people. We yeah. sometimes even go to um, late-night dinners after the club. Mm-hmm. We discuss things even more in depth, and it's just a really yeah. fun debate. And mm-hmm. We all have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. Again, Ryan Hurley, president of the Iowa State College Republicans, and Kimberly Zabowski, secretary of Safe Club. Uh, thanks so much for, for being on the show and sharing your it's thoughts. It's our really pleasure. Again, thank, thank you. you very much for having us. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Thanks again to Ryan and Kim for sharing your thoughts. And as promised, we'll now hear from a representative of the Iowa State University College Democrats. Oseba Fahim, the president of the Iowa State uh, chapter of the College Democrats. Is that yep. correct? Yep. Okay, thank you for coming on the show. I yep. really appreciate it. Um, just uh, Let's just start with you. Uh, where are you from? What are you doing here at ISU? What are you studying? Yeah, well, first, thank you for having me on. Um, And yeah, so I'm from Huntley, Illinois. It's about an hour northwest of Chicago, like 40 minutes south of the Wisconsin border. Um, Yeah, and then I decided to go to Iowa State because I was looking for a good engineering school. And you can talk to anybody from Illinois (laughs) about this, but Illinois schools are not the cheapest. um, But Iowa's are much better in comparison. So, I, I, I do remember that when I was looking at schools, too, that uh, there's there's definitely definitely a difference, at least there is now. So what, what are you studying? I'm studying biosystems engineering. Biosystems engineering. Can you give me like a 10-second description of what that is, because I don't really know. Okay, so biosystems engineering is basically like civil engineering, I'm sorry, environmental engineering, but instead of being packaged with civil, it's packaged with ag. So I'd be working at reducing pollutants in the natural environment rather than in cities. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that, 
I guess was your was your interest maybe I'm, I'm making an assumption here was it your interest sort of in environmental protection that kind of led you to be interested in politics or has this kind of always been a thing that you've been interested in tell me how, yeah. how did you stop caring about politics so, I've always cared about the environment and like you just said it really it forced me towards politics because I realized that there was this issue that I cared about and if I wanted to be able to affect change on it I need to do that on a broader scale and like I think research is really amazing. I know a lot of researchers who are my professors or um, other students with me, and I think the work that they're doing is great, but first, I'm not very good at research. <laughs> um, I'm, just not, I'm just not meticulous in that way, um, and, and I think that if you're doing that research, you need to have a good system to be implementing it on a broad scale. That way, you can affect change across a wide area. Like in Iowa State, you can see a lot of good research going into um, reducing nitrates, creating wetlands, all those sort of things. But it happens just in the region surrounding Ames because that's the region that Iowa State has has influence over. But especially as you go farther north, where you get to more agricultural country, that same research doesn't have the same pull. It, yeah. it is different, yeah. It is definitely a different landscape. Um, yeah, so how I got into politics. So I got into politics because of the 2015-2016 election. So I was in newspaper at the time, and I love You know, that's paper. interesting because that's the same election that drove a lot of people out of politics. Yeah. <laughs> Probably for the same reason. I'm sorry, continue with no, your story. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people actually fell more into politics because of that. Like, especially younger people who maybe didn't care so much about politics once they saw how um, how bad things could get at the top. Um, were you old enough to vote in that election? I was not. You were not, okay. Mm -hmm. I was just a few weeks shy, I think. Um, just missed it. Just missed um, So what, what was it about that election that kind of made you be like, hey, I need to be involved in this? I think it just became like everybody was talking about it, and so it was like you were constantly indoctrinating thinking about it. I don't know if the doctrine is right, right. You're just constantly, you're just constantly thinking about it. And whenever I would think about what was happening on the national scale, it would just make me feel sick. It would make me feel scared and worried. And I'm the type of person who feels like they have to be doing something about it. Like I can't just be worried. And so I felt like I needed to be making steps to be engaged in politics. And so when I first became engaged in politics, that was all just voting. Um, and then as I became involved with the College Democrats, it became more of projects and getting other people to vote, you know? Yeah. Like the first, the first election I ever voted in was the mayoral one when I was a freshman here because that was, that was the first one I could vote in. As soon as I realized there was an election, I was like, I'm going to vote. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Punch that on my card. Yes. yes. I voted. Awesome. <laughs> And, that, and, and I can definitely see how, you know, especially with the field that you're going into, um, you know, biosystems engineering is sort of tied up with environmental protection and all the rest of it. How that's, at least in our country, at least, that sort of inherently is going to lean into politics. They, they sort of they sort of wrap together. So I can definitely see how how that would uh, that would sort of draw you in. So you said that when you when you came here to Iowa State, you got. Um, Obviously, you, your freshman year, you got involved right away with the, the college Democrats here. Um, had you sort of always considered yourself a Democrat? Like, is that kind of what you were raised with? Maybe, maybe it'd be better to start, like, just for the sake of our audience, from your definition, what is a Democrat? What does it mean to be a Democrat? And what made you want to go that way? Okay, so uh, first, I got involved when I was a sophomore. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah, that's all right. Um, I just wanted to make sure that's clear. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, what does it mean to be a Democrat? I guess what it means is just that you believe in the values of <clears throat> the Democratic Party, which are just certain stances. Um, and so, like, for me, that would mean knowing that climate change is a real threat and that we need to address it. And so voting in people who are going to be addressing it. The same with reproductive rights or immigration, like understanding that they're... There are a lot of issues in both these topics and that we and that I want to make sure that the people who have the ability to be changing them are changing them in the ways that reflect my views. You know? Sure. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. So are there are there things about the specifically the Democratic Party or maybe some of the positions that they take that 
that trouble you? Are you on board like 100% or do you have are the things that you're like, I wish they would change their mind on these things and then I'd be more. I, I, do you understand what, what I'm asking? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just thinking. I don't know. Um, I think with that one, the main issue that I have with the Democratic Party is I feel like we don't reach out to people correctly. Um, I feel like there can be a little bit of distance in the party sometimes about especially reaching across the aisle or to people who um, just would vote regularly. Like there's almost a little bit of elitism with some Democrats. And that's definitely not true of all Democrats, but it's just, there's just this thread that you can see sometimes that I find to be a little bit alarming because I think as politicians, your main goal should be serving the people. And so you should always be trying to talk to the people and trying to represent the people and figuring out what they need and how you can be best addressing those issues you know and so whenever i see that thread of elitism like like what is what is this doing like why are you trying to make this faction seem like it's better than other factions you know so sort of a maybe i guess to to paraphrase you a little bit maybe sort of a lack of humility a little uh, at least at least in some that you've mentioned like you said elitism um Maybe just sort of a general attitude towards people who are outside the party. Am I am I in, interpreting what you said correctly? That's sort of the impression that I got. Yeah, I don't know if it's a lack of humility, but yeah, I think there's definitely a separateness. And maybe like an us versus them kind of mentality. Yeah. I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'm just really trying to make sure I understand what it is that that you that you mean by by that. Yeah. No, I think that there's just, like, it's almost like you'll hear some Democrats talk about, like, the college educated, you know, and it just sometimes feels like there, to some Democrats, that there's almost, like, a a rule book that you have to be a part of to be a Democrat. That makes sense. Sure. Yeah, I think so. I think that makes a little more sense. Yeah, this this is why I ask because I want to make sure I, I know what you're talking about. Clear. And I know I know where you know when you're going to speak generally about a broad group of people, it's hard to pin down exactly what exactly. what it is. Yeah, I feel like the the Democrats are very broad, which is why I think people are always talking about like, the Democrats are in disarray, blah blah blah, um, because it's just there's a lot of different people in this one section that have really different ideas. You have someone like Bernie Sanders who's fully, fully into the left, and then you have someone like Joe Biden, Peter Judge, or whatever, um, that are more moderate, you know? And so you have those people who are on different sides of the spectrum, and then you have everybody in between, and all of their varying views. So, so I mean, since you brought up the current uh, current run for the, the Democratic nomination, do you, do you have a favorite candidate? Yeah, right. so I caucus for Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Yeah, and I was I was her precinct captain for my my caucus. Oh, cool. So that was fun. Cool. <laughs> so I get next natural question is why 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 her why Elizabeth Warren for yeah. you? So I first I really just like the way Elizabeth Warren has run her campaign. I feel like she's done it with a lot of grace, and she spent a lot of time, like I was saying earlier, talking to her constituents. Like there there was um there was a a listening session that I think I went for her, went to of hers, um, that it was just really nice. Like it was this man in the room who was talking about the healthcare policy that they created. And he gathered all these people who were uh, caretakers, I believe, um, to be able to listen to them and hear from them and understand what things they would need that they could put into policy. And that I think is amazing that you're actually, you're going to these people and you're getting together people who have a similar occupation or some sort of similar thread and you're bringing them together to actually talk to them about what they need for you to make policies. And he was saying that, well, this is just one section that I was able to see that they're doing this in other States all across Iowa. They're just, they're doing this all across the country, which I think is really amazing. So with, with, and, and with oh, okay, sorry. I apologize. Um, and so I really like how she runs her campaign, but then I also, really like how progressive she is and I like that she's been a productive senator. And so if we're going to be able to make the changes that we need to be able to push this country forward, we need to make sure that we have someone in there who can make that change and can get it done. Which as an engineer, you'd be a very results oriented person. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It needs to actually work when we get to the end, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I. What's what that? You do? Oh, I, I'm studying materials engineering. Mm. That's what I do. But this isn't about me. This isn't <laughs> about me. But uh, yeah, no, that I, I think I think that's that's really interesting. Um, and especially you know with with what you had described, some of the things that the some of the things that bothered you maybe about some parts of the party that Warren seems to be much more from your experience, much more much more inclusive, much more open, and like let's just talk about how to fix it, and much less. I guess elitist to use your word. Mm-hmm. That's that's interesting. Um, and it, this might seem like a little bit of a of a left field question, but I know for a lot of people, for way too many people, I think their political opinions and their political affiliations and choices affects their relationships with other people. Uh, there are people friendships that they will lose, uh, family members that they will alienate. Um, conversations that become awkward and difficult because of their politics so has has your you know your your decision to be to to get into politics and be a an, an active democrat has that had any effect on your interpersonal relationships no i don't really think so because i've always kind of been this way <laughs> okay and so nothing's really changed right no this i've always kind of been very are. annoying about the environment like i would <laughs> like yell at my parents all the time and, like shut off the lights make sure the faucets are turned off like i would i took hold of one of the rooms in our house that had a lot of windows to make a clothesline <laughs> and, and so like i don't know i think most people who know me just they know what they're getting into <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so anybody close enough to you would, would have to be used to it by now <laughs> yeah and i've never been the type of person to like push my views onto other people i just i just like explaining what i'm thinking you know and then we, the other person can explain theirs and we can talk about it but i've never been the type of person that's like you have to believe this or you're out you know so as as president of the college democrats here at iowa state what do you what do you do what does your job look like what sorts of things does the club do um Mm -hmm. and how do you how do you oversee it and manage those things okay well i love the college democrats um so tell me more tell me why (laughs) okay yeah so in the fall um we're more externally based so since there's an election we focus around the election, making sure students are registered, making sure they have information, and getting them out to the polls, you know? And so that comes about in um, knocking on doors, tabling, um, talking to other clubs. And so this year, earlier in the year, um, there are a lot of us from the Democrat Club that were helping our friend uh, Rachel Junk get elected. It wasn't like a, like a pure affiliation, you know what I mean? Because work club and their their campaign so you can't really affiliate but there are a lot of us who really liked her and so we would help her like go knock on doors for her table with her um yeah and so we did that in the fall and then now that it's the springtime we're more pro- project based and so one of the things that we're doing is we're figuring out what issues that we want to lobby for that way we can go down to des moines earlier in april and go lobby for those issues. We're going to have a spectrum discussion, which is going to be pretty fun. And that's going to be March 31st um, at 7 p.m. in the Cardinal Room. Kevin Just go, Neil go, room. plug the event, plug the event, please, by all means. I think it's the Cardinal Room. <laughs> I didn't check recently, but. Could you just roll if. I could stop you for just a second. A spectrum discussion. I have no idea what that is. Mm-hmm. What What is that? Okay, yeah. So we're going to have hopefully four organizations. So right now confirmed, we have. Us, the College Democrats, Young Americans for Freedoms, which is a conservative group, um, the Marxist organization, so a socialist group, and then hopefully the College Republicans, just because you know, College Democrats, College Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so then we would be up on the stage, all in kind of a panel, um, and we would discuss three different topics. Those topics, we have a list of topics that we're still trying to figure out which ones we want to be discussing. And then we would each give kind of our stance on it and then move into the discussion section where we discuss each other's ideas and just just kind of talk, you know? And so the point of this is to basically increase unity amongst all the clubs and students on campus and show that even though we do have different beliefs and that we all have different points of view that we can find common ground, that we're all students, we're all here at Iowa State and that there are threads that connect us together. Do you typically have a good relationship with some of the other political clubs even though you may disagree about lots of things i think so um i don't i haven't 
talk to the college Republicans very much, but I think that's just because we haven't had like a point to work together. Not really a reason to, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, I've talked to YAF quite a bit because they were the ones who wanted to have the spectrum discussion. Um, and so we've been working together for since like the summer, I think, just kind of on and off. Um, and I know Chuck from YF, and Chuck is great. Um, and then I've talked to the... Chuck, if you're listening, you have one fan. <laughs> At least. <laughs> At least. Um, and we've talked to the, the Socialist Marxist organization, and that was mostly just at Club Fest, but the same sort of deal. We haven't really done joint events before, and so didn't really have a reason to reach out. We have talked through emails for quite a bit of the year, just sort of talking about um, the spectrum discussion. Do you think that's something that, I guess our, specifically our campus, but also sort of the, the country at large could use some more of? Yeah, I think it's really valuable to be able to talk to the other side. That way you recognize that there's still people. <laughs> because I think sometimes when you're just, if you're reading articles or if you're just scrolling through Twitter, it's easy to disassociate their ideas from the person. But once you remember that there's a person behind that, it's a lot easier to connect with them and realize that you have more in common than you do different. And so as we move into our different sides of the pole, sorry, our different sides of the spectrum and become more polarized, it just, it becomes really difficult to bring back to that middle ground of understanding. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, what a what a perfect plug for our own show. <laughs> That's exactly yeah. what we do. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think I think you're exactly right. You know, it it's so easy to I, I should say it's it's so difficult to sort of take the I guess the the vitriolic and all the animosity that we seem to have on the politics at the national and I even see it at the state level, even at the local level sometimes in Des Moines where I live. And it's it's sometimes it's so hard to kind of step away from that and let the enemy become a person again. Yeah. <laughs> somebody that you can learn from instead of somebody that you have to try and try and fight against, you know, then I, I think that's that's awesome. And I'm glad that that doesn't seem to be an issue here uh, at the, the clubs at Iowa State. Uh, we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, why don't you go ahead and just for the sake of our listeners, tell us, um, for those who might be interested, a little bit about the club, the College Democrats, uh, where you guys meet, what you do. Um, give us your plug for those who may be interested in uh, joining up. Okay, so the College Democrats, we meet at 6 p.m. every other Tuesday. Our next meeting is the 25th. And it's going to be in 211 East Hall. So what we'll be what we'll be discussing this time, we'll be discussing a Senate primary candidate. Um, Amanda Neef will be coming in to teach us how to lobby as citizens, and we'll be discussing some of the the candidates who are running for president for Stugov. So it'll be a really fun meeting. If anybody wants to come by, come by. Great, thank you. Um, and last question that we always ask uh, of all of our guests: What is one thing that you wish? It, in this case, one thing that you wish Republicans and political independents and others who are not Democrats would better understand about the party, about you guys. Um, that's a tough question. Um, I think sometimes, and I don't know if this is in real life or if this is just Twitter, but <laughs> you'll, you'll, definitely a line between those two things. Oh, for real. Um, you'll, you'll definitely see people on the right saying that the left is just trying to take things away. They're just trying to take away your, your guns, your rights, your freedoms. And I, I don't think that's true. Really what we're just trying to do is protect people. And I think that's the same thing that Republicans are trying to do. We just have different frames of mind of how to do that. And which is why we need to be talking to one another. Um, I was listening to this podcast on NPR where it was Hidden Brain. I forget the title of it, but it was really talking about how people who find themselves on the liberal side versus the conservative side, they have just different frames of mind for how they go about issues and like what scares them, what they feel like needs to be done. Whereas like a liberal wouldn't, be afraid of somebody breaking into their house and attacking them because they would think it's probably not very likely to happen. Um, whereas a conservative would see that as a real threat. And so that's just like one example of 
just the different ways that we go about these issues. And so I think if we're able to talk to one another and kind of bridge that gap, we can use both of our different frames of references to build one another instead of tear each other down. You know what I mean? Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, wouldn't it wouldn't it be great if we could take all of that wonderful diversity of experience and thought that we have and utilize all of it to have a more comprehensive solution? That I thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you. Seba Fahim, the president of the I apologize, Seba. Fahim. I'm going to say that wrong till my dying day. Seba Fahim, president of the Iowa State College Democrats. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. A big thank you to Seba for sharing your experiences with us. Now, guys, you know that when it comes to politics, we can say some really nasty things about each other. We rant and we rave and we believe the worst about people we've never met. Remember, y'all. Democrats are people too. Republicans are people too. So the next time you start slipping into one of those ugly political Facebook fights, stop. Breathe. Take a step back. Take a pause from drawing up the battle lines and make the time to first see and understand the other person. And first, take time to be a person. And if we do that, we will all enjoy lower blood pressure, and we may even find that the person we thought was an enemy will turn out to be an ally who is just holding on to a different part of that elusive elephant. That's all for this one, folks. Y'all take care out there. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Bury the Hatchet. I hope you've learned something today to help you better understand the people in your life, especially those you disagree with. For suggestions or questions about the show, shoot me an email at podcastburythehatchet at gmail.com. Again, that's podcastburythehatchet at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time.